Recycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, how you doing? I, I just I needed to get get that in while I could because you, you miss us. So just keep talking without me. <laughs> I thought you were gonna just post my uh, my my other entrance, my other introduction <laughs> from last week. Oh, you like that? Did you guys, by any chance, watch the uh, the the YouTube Zoom of our show last week? I totally didn't catch it until I was posting the video. But as I was getting ready to come in with the introduction, Jim, who was still driving in his car, he he says, Truck. "I've got gas," and then proceeds to <laughs> fart, and the, and the Zoom Look. stayed on him the whole time. <laughs> Dude, it was full on gangster lean too. I made a face, I like scowled, I leaned over, Ooh. and the so green box lit up around me. That's how I, I made sure I made a note of it with a countdown in the video. <laughs> countdown to fart. Was it the final countdown? Oh my god, we are so so loopy again. So I have to remember to get to our introductions so I don't miss it again. Hey everyone, this is Liza and I had a great day today. And I'm hoping everyone else did. Well, let's find out. Uh joining us in in an order of showing up in the Zoom. First one is it's Rick. Hey, I'm Rick. I live in a trailer. Um <laughs> I never knew that. It's ridiculous. That means um, fun that, fact, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just never noticed it until like I think you like oh open up the blinds. I'm like, hey, you're in a trailer. Yeah, you got the accoutrements, but yeah, nice. Yeah, I had a pretty good week too. Um, got my bikes have been broken and and not rideable, but at work I've gotten to do a hell of a lot of test riding, filling in. So I kind of been cheating on the old girls, and it's kind of <gasps> been fun. Ooh, yeah, ooh. That's good. And then let's see. The next one up was it? Uh, I think it was Miss Emma. Well, hello. Hello. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what I want, what I really want. And I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really, really want. I want to. I uh, want to. Uh, I want to. <laughs> hello, darling. Hello. Hello. Hello, darling. Um, I've been at the gin. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I've been to the gin, and what I did, you see, I filled up this Perrier bottle with gin. So when you're taking a little sip, people say, oh, you're being terribly healthy. You're drinking Perrier, darling, Perrier. Lies. Lies. And it is. It's it's lies. Fizzy gin. Um, No, everything's tickety-boo. Everything's going very, very well. And um, I think we should talk about Jim's magic day yesterday. We're going to introduce him, and we'll get there. Yes, I like the sound of that. And, of course, it's everybody's favorite naked man. It's Naked Jim. Yes, Naked Jim. Yes, from the (laughs) waist down tonight, for all of y'all's benefit. Anyway, (laughs) peace-loving, peace-loving dirt bikes. That's that's what I got for tonight. Peace-loving rubber duckies. I never know what you're going to say. (laughs) And then looking dapper in his hat. This is where that went. It's Bagel. Hello, greetings. I want you to know, Bagel, we had um, uh, a new person show up at the garage today. 
oh, yeah? who is about to take uh, the class. She's like, I want to get in a motorcycle. She's going to take her class. And she was talking with Micah, who was advising her on different bikes. And I said, you know what? <clears throat> and do not rule out scooters. We'd never remember to also include scooters in that list when we're talking about small displacement bikes for starting out. Cool. And I said, and think about that. And she said, well, I want to... I think I want to do touring and around town. I said, you're not going to do touring. I mean, Jim, you know, as well as anyone, I mean, first six months, you never left town. You, yeah. I mean, the be- I think the I freeway? overheard you. The best <laughs> advice to a new rider, I mean, whatever, or advice I'll say, but this is what I did is I had a Nighthawk 250 and I rode it for six months and I rode like 1500 miles barely <laughs> getting on the freeway. Right. Yeah. And, but that's a lot of shifting. And a lot of braking and a lot of clutching. So by the time I got up to a big boy bike, you know, the FC6, uh, that was all total muscle memory. So it made it really simple. But get a little bike and just shift and clutch and brake and do that. Yeah. Or a scooter because you're still going to retrain your brain to get used to riding on the road and having cars around you. And and, and she you. said the typical thing about, well, I, I'm scared to get on the freeway. I feel more much much more comfortable on, on the streets. We're like, No. <laughs> it's the intersections that'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah. But even even a 250 or 300 scooter it can can be used for touring as well. Exactly. And that's what as, we use you as an example. So that's yeah. why I wanted to let you know that just everything that you've taught us about scooters and their capabilities reminded me to include that as an option uh, as a two-wheeled option. Great. Thank you, Liza. You're welcome. I remember following Bagel one time. Remember that ride we did with R1 Rich and his posse out to Yosemite and back? That yeah. Day? Almost Yosemite. Yeah. Who goes like the, within five miles of Yosemite? And then you turn around. Yeah. You don't yeah. actually go there. But <laughs> remember there was some downhill twisties. And I'm Bagel, you were doing 90 on your scooter. <laughs> yep. I, I had and I'm like, you were right in the pack of all the sport bikes. It was one of the funnest days watching you ride. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. That was that was a blast. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing better. Um, Emma, you... Oh, you had a question for Jim? Yes, Jim. You talk amongst you. I forgot to go get my soda pop. I'm going to go get a soda pop. I'll be right back. No, um, Jim, you had quite a big day yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We had a um, a three-course Italian meal. We yes. had uh, gnocchi. We had uh, like beef bolognese with the round yes. pastas. And yes. then uh, I, had, I had clams. clams and, and, and delicious as it was. I'm sure that somewhere in America right now, they are recording an Italian food podcast, and this is of high interest to them. But alas, we are a a motorcycle podcast, and we are interested in all things motorcycle. So fortunately, we also did motorcycle things. So yes, Yes, the ascot, the the never-ending ascot project, I'll call it that. But um, yes, uh, short, long story short, we breathed life into the motorcycle. So we yes. came over and we were just looking at it and pointing at it. And, uh, you know, and I, like I said, the wiring's hooked up by some miracle. It works. So power <laughs> to the starter. Um, I think that was my favorite part. Your, your reluctance to even think that it was possible. It might start. <laughs> no, it's still, I still, I still, <laughs> well, still no, like I mean, wake up. So the conversation went. So the, 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 we're sitting out, it was a beautiful evening, so we're sitting out on the back patio, pushing Italian food into our faces and enjoying every mouthful. And right behind us is the ascot. And Jim says, oh, it turns over on the button. 
and he was really surprised by it. And I said, well, have you got a spark? Did you check for a spark yet? And he said, no. So I just unwound the spark plug cap and just held the, um, held the high tension lead away from the spark plug and got cranking. Beautiful fat blue spark. And I said, well, listen, you got a spark, mate. Um, and so he fished around in the garage and, you know, there's this brand new Mikuni that supposedly jetted for the bike. And I said, come on, let's slap it on. We're going to run it right now. And well, you know, what was, you know, it was fun. We did right before that, a kind of like a, a proof of concept was you just, we just sprayed some <laughs> starter fluid right into the cylinder head, just right in there. Yeah. we're well, right into the intake because, you know, yeah. I wanted to hear it thump. And, and it did. It thumped pretty good, but of course you can't, you can't do anything more than just a very quick squirt because it's equivalent to holding the carburetor wide open. I mean, you've got a big, like, 34-millimeter hole. So um, we got it to thumb and said, right, let's get the Mikuni on it. And uh, we got a little remote reservoir for the fuel. Mm-hmm. And um, there you go. Pop, 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 pop. Perfect. Yeah, nice. it, uh, it fired right up. It was amazing. Um, yeah, and then uh, Emma diddled it, little little diddle and a daddle. A turn here and a twist there, and it idled. It idled, and it sounded great. Popped really well. Here's one, one quick, one little quick tip I'll I'll throw out though. Is Lesson it a misfit top tip? Yes, because I am certainly a misfit when it comes to this stuff, dude. I learned the hard way. <laughs> so I took meticulous pictures of the bike when I took it apart, like pictures of everything, and so to the wiring, every connection, everything. Right? I'm like so smart. Well, anyway, I lost that phone and all the pictures in it. The only thing, yeah, gone, right? The only thing, and so all the pictures from the whole teardown of the bike, all gone. The only thing that saved my my ass was the pieces of tape where I wrote down, this goes to the green wire, you know, from the whatever, or this is that. And um, so, yeah, I would just say when you start taking stuff apart, just, just put tape on it, mark it, put a zip tie in say what it is because taking pictures I'm, i I probably won't do that again <laughs> email um, <yourself> maybe <laughs> maybe something like that but at the end of the day the piece of masking tape with totally. this goes from the reg rec to the right. capacitor you know that's what bailed, bailed me out so um but it was super fun to fire it up and it fired right up it sounded pretty tough you know that like basically what's an xl 500 motor um yeah i mean the petcock spewed fuel all over and fucked up some paint <laughs> Well, little things hey. like that. Hmm. Oh, I don't even want to get into the front axle issue. But um, anyway, at the end of the day, yeah, I rode it home from the garage. Uh, it was it was quite a miracle. <laughs> hey, how did that go? Yeah, it made it surprisingly well. Yeah, you should have seen me, dude. It's so Santa Cruz, I'm going down the street. I got but- that. I got my baseball hat under the the the. <laughs> The brain bucket helmet, you know, <laughs> I got my backpack on. I got a motorcycle with like no headlights. There's wires coming out everywhere. And so I would, I would like to say you live two blocks over. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So because, of, because the petcock was leaking, I had the auxiliary, the IV tank, gas tank dangling off the handlebar. So that's how I fed fuel to, the, to, to ride the, however long it took to get home. But it, it. It got me home. Nothing. I thought the like, you know, I thought like the front caliper was going to fall off and jam in the <laughs> wheel, and I was going to launch, you know, some catastrophic failure. Right. There has been precedent set at the shop. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, yes, like, indeed. Just the number of. Well, here's another Emma tip. You know, at some point you got to start tightening up bolts because um, you you know you take stuff on and off so often you stop tightening it. But I found probably another three bolts today that were finger tight. 
Well, we found some too. Some exhaust manifold bolts were still finger tight. So yeah, that's, that's another one is you can never kind of go back over the bolts too many times. I don't think. And you know, anyway, it, I, uh, it's sometimes you got to bite the bullet and you just kind of start at the front and work your way back and just, you know, get a wrench on everything. And, you know, so here was an interesting thing. I'll share a little, uh, a, a misfit. I don't yeah. know if it's a tip or not, but I thought it was interesting. So <laughs> one of the lower so tips. <laughs> I, yeah. So the lower tip, just the tip. So I had fucked up. So the axle bolt, the front axle bolt goes through the forks, right? And then at the, the other fork, it's threaded and it goes into that, you know, threads in, you screw it in. Well, I had got something janky on it. There's a, there was a washer inside the wheel hub that hooked up to the Spedo and I, that wasn't set crooked. So long story short, I kind of put the axle in it and I kind of got it janky and wedged. And I did some other terrible, horrible things, but we sorted it out. One of the interesting things I saw Emma do um, is because the the end of the bolt was a little, the axle bolt was kind of fucked up. The threads wouldn't bite and catch and pull into the other side. So Emma, you basically tapered the end of that axle bolt, right? I just put a taper on the very, very end of it because what had happened is when when you were kind of railing on it, trying to get it out and trying to overcome that pinch bolt the safety feature that i was trying to pound past (laughs) (laughs) with a hammer while you were misfitting yes you were misfitting it was horrible you you kind of mushroomed the end of the the axle a little bit and normally you know that's and it was a a threaded piece so um i just put a tiny tiny little taper at the end and got that mushrooming out and just cleaned up the threads a little bit and sometimes to clean up a thread, it's nice if you have a proper tap and die set and you can run a die around it. But the chances are you haven't because dies are expensive. You know, taps are expensive. Dies are even more so. And so if you if you just basically get a hacksaw blade, and you didn't see me do this because I was inside the workshop, but you get a hacksaw blade and you just clean up the threads with a hacksaw blade and just kind of make things basically the right shape. And if you put a taper on it, lots of grease and lubricant, tightens up lovely. And it worked great, didn't it? It did. Yeah. I mean, we were doing some huffing and puffing, but once we kind of figured, yeah, once we kind of figured out what was going on, um, yeah, we, it, it, it went back together. Yeah. Well, huffing so, and amazing. puffing's okay. You know, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, if you're huffing and puffing, you're doing the right thing. But Jim, I mean, that was a big moment today. That's a place where I think we've all been. When you build something, you spend that much time. And then the first time you sit on it and ride, even though it was just down the driveway, how did that feel? It was really cool. I mean, yeah, to be able to actually, because, you know, you get to the point where it's like, I've broken so many things. And it's like, you know, (laughs) it's been such a, a test of patience. And like, oh, like, like the, the pet cock, like blew gas all over the pay, place and it fucked up the engine paint. And I'm like, I don't care. You know what? I'll just fix it. You know, it's like you don't you get so used to taking things apart and fixing them, taking them apart that the little things don't bother you anymore. But but there's nothing a when you hear it run. Right. The personality of the bike, when you hear the exhaust note, that's where you're like, oh, yeah, that's what this is all about. But, yeah, to be able to, you know, get on it, you know. And ride it down the street, you know, get into third gear, like around your own neighborhood, especially, right, where they already think you're a nut job. But it was really cool. It was really satisfying. Um, 
you know, because after after you like you break enough stuff and you're used to failure, you're like, this is never gonna. No, this isn't, and it does. And I think it just speaks to the resiliency, honestly, of motorcycles in general. It's amazing how they work. It just is amazing. But I think it was cool. But here's I'll say you last yeah. thing. Here's probably the, the high notes. When I got home, I uh, I took a little video. I I like videoed it and I started it. You know, and I kind of showed a picture of it. And then revved it, right? And then I sent it to Jake, right? Because this is Jake's old motorcycle. And she just sent me back a, a note like, oh, hell yeah, all stoked on it. So that's probably the, my favorite part so far. It's just that go. Jake gets to see the bike converted, you know, her old bike converted into something new that still kind of represents part of her life. Um, to be, have her be stoked on it, that was probably the highlight of the whole thing so far. And, and Jim, you should share what i mean if you want to what jake does for a living and how the bike kind of ties into that because you chose those colors for the bike very very carefully didn't you yeah i'll I'll speak i'll speak in some broad terms but i think most people know jake's in the navy now and she's living her dream and she works uh you know she works around and in helicopters and her the the bike paint scheme it's kind of it's a lot of silver and chrome uh not chrome but you know polished metal look um, and rattle can metal. Um, but it's gray in the front and then has kind of a red tail section, slopes into a red tail section. And her helicopter squadron has the same paint scheme. So since it's kind of her bike and you want to tie, I mean, like, you know, what are you going to paint a bike like? You could try to be cool or whatever. But I was like, how fun. And it's kind of boring because it's this navy gray front, navy gray tank. But then as it sweeps into the rear of the tank and the tail section, it's kind of this uh, fire engine red. And, and her, um, the logo is a scorpion. So we'll be putting some scorpions on it, some cool paint scorpions on the gas. Uh, Emma had a great idea about some intertwining scorpion tails, uh, maybe wrapping around it. Um, yeah. So I think, so that's the paint scheme. So just to relate it back to Jake and her, uh, you know, her helicopter squadron, um, that's kind of the paint scheme. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of fun. So my, the ultimate thing is when I can take it down to San Diego and um, somehow get it on base and maybe roll up to her squadron and, you know, see her, her shop. Oh, that'll be so cool. Right. They'll lose their shit. Yeah. Well, some of the, you know, <laughs> there's actually some almost motors. So we'll see some MCs down there that r- rotate around what she does. So it'd be kind of fun because they have their own clubhouse now and uh, to kind of roll up to the clubhouse and, uh, you know, representing, you know, Jake's bike with the whole paint scheme and all that. Anyway. The, it's kind of fun to write it down the road, though. The thing I wanted to point out that is kind of cool, just, I mean, you know, I've watched your progress as a writer and as a, a wrencher and a builder now and seeing these kind of these these marks. And one of the things that you're, I think, just getting past right now is for anyone who's wrenching, there's a point where you don't trust your work. You don't trust that you got everything or you did everything right. And for a lot of people, that's why they don't wrench themselves they don't trust they rather have a professional do it but then sometimes you learn that like the professional is like the 17 year old kid on the weekend whose job it is is to change tires or something and you have to remember that maybe he's got a date that night or maybe it's you know something's going on maybe rick's got the he's got a flu or whatever you know or as emma would say at some of the factories if it's on a friday you don't want to bike that was built on a friday you know you you don't know what's going on with that person and how much they're paying attention because their life is not on the line yours is and how we say you are the one to trust and that's the thing that a lot of people don't trust themselves and i hear you say that but i know that this bike is part of that you learning that you can trust yourself yeah you know and i can well and you know what i'll give credit to where credit's due or youtube videos 
So, you know what, watch when you're doing something, watch the videos. It's super helpful. Um, and then the other thing is just be patient and, if, and, uh, you know, understand that a little, a, a 15 half hour minute, you know, job, it's going to be all day. Just, just know that. Um, yeah, I mean, those are kind of the big takeaways for me. And, uh, oh, and the last one, it kind of plays in today. If something's not going in or it's not fitting right, then something's not not working correctly, you know, then try something different. You know, there's so many times where I'm trying to get a wheel on or a brake caliper on or whatever it might be. And I know everybody knows the exact same thing. And if you just put it down and walk away and say, I'm going to just try something different. You know, that was a big, that was a huge learning lesson because I thought everything, right. I should just do it right the first time. And it's like, no, man, you're going to do this so many times. And once you kind of make peace with that, then it becomes more enjoyable. I mean, I'm fortunate I do this, for, you know, this is my relaxation, my moment is in. So I can rebuild a brake caliper over a weekend, you know, but I've learned like, just know it's going to take a lot longer than you think and be patient with yourself. And I think understand what you are as a person. Like I'm not Emma, I'm not Mike. I don't have that skill set or that focus to knock something out in a weekend. I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. Some people do over a couple of, you know, what Emma might do in a couple of days or Mike might do in a couple of weeks. I'll do in like, six or seven months. So I think, you know, you know, if you're doing it for fun, make sure you're doing it for fun and, and try to have as much fun as you can, you know, on the emotional roller coaster. Yeah. No, I, I get it. And that's why for me, like the, um, the XS750 that sits in the garage, it gets pulled out once a year to ride. And I'm sure people look at that and like, ah, it's just an old bike with kind of a crappy paint job, you know? But to me, I look at it and there's all these little triumphs for me on it. There's things I yep. figured out, things I learned. It's so much more to me. I'm happy with it just sitting there because it represents things that I figured out and learned and did and accomplished. And you're yeah. going through that now. And I think you're you're getting that too. Well, it's and it's kind of like where success will build on itself. Like it was really important for me. Just I just want to hear it run, right? I just want to have it know it's feasible that this thing will actually go down the road again. And now that it does, and I rode it home, now it's like, I, okay, now I want to kind of start like Emma was saying, kind of start at the front and then keep going through it again and really right. sort things out, right? Now that I know it's actually going to see see the road again, now I'll just walk through it again piece by piece and sort it out better. Trust I mean, it's me, much Jim. You you achieved a major hurdle yesterday and today that is a major major hurdle hearing that thing run yesterday huge hurdle riding at home today even higher hurdle so it's all gravy from this point it's not going to be yeah. quick but no but that's part of the learning right it's it's, right. it's just patience so i can just it will it is humbling right i think anyone knows i mean you're Wrenching on motorcycles is humbling. Well, and the other thing that we were kind of touching on earlier was one of the other skill sets that you're just really just getting into is metalworking. You've learned how to weld. I mean, not good welding, but weld. You can put metal together. You've learned a little bit about shaping sheet metal, which is a different type of thing. But you can now kind of bend and shape and grind and weld and fabricate. Welcome to fabricating. Now this kind of opens up so many things like you don't like where that battery box is you now have enough of the skill set to move it and that's something that uh, many other people couldn't even comprehend doing and that just opens up so many more worlds the only downside to the kind of project that you're doing is that by the time you figure something out and finish it you've learned how to do it better (laughs) 
Like, oh, yeah. I bet you, I, I, I know, I mean, Rick and Emma, I mean, Emma does like top stuff, but Emma, I'm going to guess even on the bikes that you're building, by the time you're done, there are things on there, you know, you could do better. Oh, God, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, because, it's like a never ending. Well, because it's the, like Sisyphus, the, you know? Right. The project is developing as you build it. Right. So let's say you start off. Say, let's take the Trident. Mm-hmm. The first thing I did on the Trident was build the engine. So build the engine. And then I built the bike around it. And as when I built the engine, my vision for the Trident actually was quite a different direction to the one it ended up in, which is unusual for me because normally I just follow that direction. But I actually changed. And so when I actually rode it, for the first time, I realized that now the engine was the weakest part of the build. So I had to go back and redo the engine. Bring it up to snuff. To bring it up to snuff. And so now I've got the cams in it and now I've got the pistons in it and everything's kind of where it should be. Um, But even now, as nice as that bike is, I could point every floor out in it. That's almost the worst part Mm -hmm. sometimes of knowing exactly every little... I don't right. want to say corner you cut, but every maybe compromise. Or, yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah, you um, didn't feel like busting out the welder, so you notched this thing and got around it. And then that right, thing. Exactly. Every time you see it, you're going to go, no, that master cylinder shouldn't be crooked because I was a lazy dum dum, you know, and that thing's going to kick your ass. But right. that, that's why we all have the disease. That's part of it. You know, I, the, the joke is is it ever done? Have you ever looked at any motorcycle you have and been like, hell yeah, every doodad, I'm done, it's perfect. No, that's stupid. There are a few few times it'll come close. Sure. (laughs) Totally. Well, and and that's what Emma was saying, that vision changes. You know, even when you're done with version A, version B is already keeping you up at night. Or you think of one more thing. Oh, I could do this, you know. Yeah, and you know our taste change. I mean, the fact of the matter is, the bikes I was building at twenty are very, very different to the bikes I'm building at fifty-nine, and that doesn't necessarily mean that my skills have just got thirty-nine years more refined. It means that my actual tastes have changed. You know, it's just like they change in music. You know, when you're young, you listen to death metal. And as we get older, I mean, I used to listen to heavy metal all the time. Now I tend to listen to jazz. And well, I thought, you used to. You made a chopper out of a GT seven fifty too. So well, that was that was a that was a pub bet. But the the you know the uh, our taste in music change, our taste in food change. You know, if you'd have asked me at twenty that I'm going to be sitting listening to Dave Brubeck and you know eating gourmet Italian food, I laughed oh, in your face. I Emma. mean, I was. Li- Heavy metal and pushing hamburgers in my face. So oh. we're changing as people. What would let me think? Taste change. Emma, you got to be careful. Jazz is a slippery slope into into opera and classical. You're turning old before us. I mean, come on. No, I'll never listen. To, no, I'll never listen to that, Mark. Okay, Emma, you have a bass in the garage, don't you? What's that? You still have a bass around, don't you? Oh, yes. You need of to be course. making your own noodling. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so it, I said it was a good day in the garage. You know, here's another reason it was a good day. There were no dead bikes. Emma, you didn't have to tell anyone their bike was dead. 
didn't kill anyone's bikes. I, I was worried. A bunch of Suzuki showed up. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> that's right and one of them was john dalton's boy lucky john dalton then his last bike catch on fire while he was riding it yeah <laughs> and yeah that was a, it was a a very very sad state of affairs his poor yeah. bmw and uh another um great thing that happened this weekend i was on the uh i'm on the the next uh cleveland moto podcast Oh, hey, oh really? that's right. They, right. As, as Phil said, he came in my shed and stole another misfit. It was me. <laughs> um, and- I have questions. I have questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yes. A lady in blue. Go ahead. Um, how drunk did they get? Mm. Yes. Yeah. I think Steve Hoffert will probably remember <laughs> the show. He didn't fall. Hey, this is what I use good. as a test. He didn't fall off his stool. That's good. Okay. And he wasn't snoring? Uh, no, but... He was sitting next to to Johnny Mac, who may have been propping him up. I'm not sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So that that was good. Um, But we talked in detail about um, AMA Vintage Days. Hey. Yes. Because that is happening, apparently, right? It is happening. Well, no. Maybe. Maybe. It's it's kind of... It's still likely, but we were talking about um, in the hypothetical that, assuming it is happening, what it's going to be like and what opportunities are there for us. I mean, assuming that it's going to be less people right away, less people, less uh, vendors, less all the things, right? Um, uh, to me, then that's going to be more opportunity to watch more of the racing because I'm always like, there's so much going on. I rarely get to see any of the racing. So doing more than the racing. And I have a brilliant idea I'm working on that may or may not involve evil can evil stunt cycles. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I had the idea of bringing a bunch of those and setting up like a play area and selling them. Well, that's vending, right? I could sell a bunch of them there. Uh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> I could. I was thinking you were going to have like a contest or something like who could, or, who could have like the or, longest jump. Exactly. Well, I just, either way, I thought it'd be fun to set up a stunt cycle play area. Hell yeah. I think you, you should just give away a hundred of them. <laughs> just give them away. Just let people go crazy. It'd be a hoot. <laughs> well, actually, um, we might as well get to that because it's the evil Knievel contest. Oh. And we had so oh many my. submissions we had yeah. uh, poems, we had haikus and limericks and songs. Had non-haikus. <laughs> there were songs and, um, yeah, so many things. Um, let's see. We, we have winners. Emma. Excellent. Yes, I darling. I sent you an email. You did. And yes, you did. There's three parts, so you have to make sure you read them in the right order. And so we're about to announce the winners. First of all, I want to thank everybody for sending in their submissions. We did a poetry slam at the garage today. We were all taking turns reading them and and enjoying. Um, And there's one, as you get that ready, there's one um, I would like to share. Um, This was a song that came without music. And so I thought, I can do this. I got this, right? I can... Who needs music? I got it. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, evil, evil. 
Liza, you were one of the best karaoke people I know. That was probably your worst karaoke performance ever. Wow. <laughs> That's a bitchin' song, though. Oh, evil, so evil. <laughs> bitchin' song, though. They were, they were going to the Spice Girls, weren't they? <laughs> That's pretty Spears. Well done, though. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. I don't know right. my pop music. It's all right. Well performed. Um, but we do have some other winners, and Emma, you have... I've got. So um, wait, that's wait. No, I got to. So in third place, (laughs) that's roast pork loin, darling. In third place, uh, and this one was a a late entry, just in time. And this one is from Garrett Jones. Congratulations, Garrett Jones! You are winning an Evil Knievel stunt cycle. Yes, you are, Garrett. And this is his poem. There once was a man named Knievel whose style and showmanship had no equal. He rode with the pseudonym Evil and was an expert in new panties retrieval. <laughs> oh, my God. You like that one? Enjoy your Evil Knievel stunt cycle, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many good ones, you guys. We had so much fun. Now, Emma... Um, yours, uh, we actually read one of the verses last week, but he came back with more verses. And I think he did. And this, this is, is what from- clenched it for second Ooh. place. This is, wow. this is from Gwyn. And Gwyn lives in, um, Newcastle, New South Wales, which of course is in, um, the Antipodes, darling. However, <laughs> I suspect, <laughs> I suspect Gwyn is, uh, originally from the British Isles. He certainly talks like it. Here we go. Uh, are, are you ready, children? Yeah. yeah. Then we'll begin. Evil once took the long ride to Throgmorton, which transformed his long schlong to a shorten. <laughs> to make up for that, he behaved like a twat and farted like a 650 Norton. <laughs> Verse two. From Throgmorton, he rode on to Stoke, his short schlong still seeking a poke. He found a young filly to ride on his willy, and he delivered that vinegar stroke. (laughs) (laughs) So old evil returned in ten bits, broken arms and a severed less tit, to the recycle garage for Miss Emma's massage, and he remains to this day a misfit. (laughs) It's just absolutely wonderful. And because I got a mention in it, Highest, the highest accolade available. 
Okay, I would like to make a couple of uh, asterisks for this because <laughs> yes. I was at the garage listening in on most. Actually, I did vote, I think, apparently on mm-hmm. most of these. A, there's really not much much scientific uh, reasoning behind any of the voting. Science. Um, <laughs> and secondly, Emma, I think you had a voting scale of one in ten. What was the criteria <laughs> on that? Well, no, if... Um- if I was mentioned in it, or Liza was insulted, <laughs> you get ten. Every, everybody else got one. Oh no! Uh, you, you want me to read that one? The other one that you like? This one is one of the runners up. Um, this one is from uh, Thomas Williams. There once was a man named Evil. His ways were a tad primeval. He jumped a bike. Liza's a dyke. And when he passed, the world was in upheaval. <laughs> <laughs> Not one for the woke generation, I should say. Apparently, I'm part of that woke generation. Oh my word! Timing is charming. <laughs> but for first place, he, he does not get a stunt cycle. But it was no, actually, no, he doesn't get a stunt cycle. Um. For first place, and this one I think was clear amongst all. Oh, there, there was no question um, <laughs> because the rhyming couplet—it's it really—it's a masterpiece. It really yeah. is a masterpiece. Well, not just not just that. I think the most work went into this because not only I kind of agree did he uh, write the lyrics, he recorded an entire song. No, so, it was awesome. We were. We, how we, many times did we listen to this today? So oh, many over times. And over again. We had a dance party <laughs> at the garage. So wow. um, multiple. Just um for for Bagel and Rick who haven't heard this yet. I mean, this is this has got a very Beck flair about it. It's, it's you know, two turntables and a microphone. Get I think with the cheese whiz. Yeah. So Mama's got a wooden leg with a kickstand. I'm gonna say congratulations, Ian Vanek. You are our winner and not only are you going to get the evil clean evil stunt cycle but emma is going to put something personal in the package to send to you i am indeed and ian vanek your choices are leopard skin print panties uh <laughs> a side boob photo or emma what what's the other option lightly used airbox <laughs> <laughs> A slightly peed in their box, or paint scent of urine. (laughs) Emma's choice, if you dare. Ooh, Emma's choice, if you dare. So it could be anything. It could be anything. Um, But Ian Vanek, if you remember right, has visited the um, um, the garage, and he had. a Suzuki DR125, which I had, I think had the rustiest tank I have ever seen. <laughs> so, um, yes. Well done, Ian. It's, it's but an he can play a hell of a song. So, it's an extraordinary effort. It's a, it's a, it's a full song. I'm going to play some of it right now. And then no, play the I'll play the, I'm going to play the whole thing at the end. But let's okay. just, let's play some of it right now. I've been having fun with this. That's it. Thanks, Forty. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, the, you, you can't escape from that. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. Hey! Crash landing on his Harley Davidson. He's the pride of Moses Lake, Washington. And the risks that he did take. 
they was many and they was great and the legs that he did break not for nothing that shit run fake that snake river and his is so clever that snake river and his is so clever Flying over buses, Lord knows you can trust us. We're flying over buses, Lord knows you can trust us. Well, I could spit further than she could jump. Well, I could spit further than she could jump. Crash landing. Oh yeah! What do you guys oh, oh. think of that? Oh my God! There's naked men. There's multiple naked men. Tim, if we ever get the same area code, I will bail you out of jail. Dance off, dance off. Wow! What swayed it for us? And there was never any question. I mean, the first time I heard it, what swayed it for us is. Snake River and Soaked River. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The Fucking hilarious. It's, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> hilarious. Exemplary use of the. <laughs> oh. And come back, Rick. Come back. Say it again. What was an example oh. of? Uh, exemplary use of the English language. Yes. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, Ian, for that. And thank you, everyone who submitted. I even read one of them on the Cleveland Moto podcast. So tune in there to um, find out which one got read. Very nice. Um, <clears throat> oh, I know. Emma. Oh, yes, darling. Shop update. Oh, okay. You got the keys. So, like, we want to know what's going on. No, I didn't get the keys. <clears throat> what? 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 No, 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 no. Do you need us to pick a lock, possibly? Because we've got your back. <laughs> no, no, no. Nothing like that. It was a slight. It was a slight miscommunication between me and the owner of the building. And um, the room is basically ready. Um, I asked for an empty room, and that's exactly what I got. Um, And I didn't actually want it painted because the painting is on my dime. Um, And basically, because it's a single room, it's 20 feet wide and 40 feet long. It's actually a little bigger than I thought, which unfortunately means the rent's a little more than I thought, but that's as maybe. Um, But I want to go in and paint it like a commercial kitchen, so everything is going to be gloss white. It's the ceiling, the walls, and I'll do a light gray on the floor. Is that because it's easier to wipe the blood off? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the... (laughs) And for the designated crying area, I'll have the <laughs> taped up corner. Um, but um, the back wall is brick, and that's fine. The left wall is is um, tin, as is the ceiling, and that's fine. Um, but the, the, the remaining wall is just bare studs, and the back of the wall in the next unit. And I said, no, mm-hmm. that's – I don't want that. I want a smooth – so. You can plywood it or drywall it. I don't want it painted, but you've got to do that. And he, he said, okay, yeah. Um, so it was just a miscommunication. That's not going to actually entitle me to um, – I can move in, but I still can't do business because I'm at the bureaucratic stage now where I'm waiting on various permits. Um, you can't just say – 
I'm opening a bike shop and do it. You actually need a, um, a license from the Bureau mm -hmm. of Automotive Repairs. And in order to get that license, you have to um, prove a number of things. Um, but more importantly, you have to prove you have a plan of dealing with hazardous waste. And oh, then yeah. you, you get granted your hazardous waste disposal license. Then you present that number to the Bureau of Automotive Repairs with all the other things they want. And they grant you the Bureau of Automotive Repair license. And this is the one that you frame and put on the wall. <clears throat> and then when you have the Bureau of Automotive Repair license, then the city, in my case, the city of Marina, will grant you your business license and you can actually hang your name above the door and start advertising and going about your business. So the reality is I may be going in tomorrow. I may be going in the following Monday. It all depends how long it takes um, my landlord to hang the drywall. In any case, I'm probably not going to be open for business for at least eight weeks. Oh, but just because of bureaucracy. Now, can I have a party there with all my friends? Of course I can. <clears throat> you know, can I kit it out and hang all the artwork up and get it exactly how I wanted? Of course I can. Well, yeah, what you got to set it all up. Like, did you ever get the tire uh, machine working? Um, well, the tire machine's still sitting in storage. Yeah, so um, you got a lot of work to do. So I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, I've still got to come up. Um, I'm going to be a parts and limited um, wholesaler. Mm -hmm. And parts and limited are great because they have everything. They do everything. <laughs> they do tires. They do Harley Davidson parts. They do UASA um, batteries. They do everything you want except for OEM parts. Parts and limited have. I mean, I'm sure, Rick, you've got... Um, Parts Unlimited account at your place. Of course. We use it every day. They ship out of Reno about, you know, 100 miles away from my shop. So it's perfect. However, what people don't realize, in order to discourage people from having a Parts Unlimited account if you're just a member of the public, not only do you have to prove you're a legitimate business, it's about an $8,000 buy-in. So in order to get that account, you have to order about $8,000 retail worth of stuff in one go. Wow. And then you'll get the account. So, you know, that's quite a lot of stock. So we should start making our list at the shop, huh? Well, you know, if you want to make a list of <laughs> higher, you know, big ticket items, Oil. I'm happy to accommodate you at very favorable prices. Um, Jim, just go ahead and make that list of all the tires you need for the next two years. <laughs> that should be half of her budget. Yeah, right, right. That'll help. However, I'm actually buying some quite posh equipment. Um, I'm buying a very, very um, high-tech tire balancer. Oh, um, nice. Simply because, you know, the big dealership in Monterey, they're still using an old Coats, which is a very, very high-quality machine. But it isn't even motorized. You've still got to spin it by hand. Mm. And I messed around with that thing for years. And it kind of has its moments. And then every yeah. other bike shop is balancing tires by just, you know, putting them on a tire trimming machine and, you know, doing them by hand. And that's a very good method for doing it. 
You know, if you go and have tires put on at a track meet, that's how they're going to do it. But what my grand plan is, I'm going to have this super accurate motorized balancing machine. You slap the wheel on, you know, you clamp it in the jaws, hit the button, it spins it up, tells you exactly what weight is needed where. It's accurate to within like a tenth of a gram. So that is really going to be a selling point. Yes. Pull your mic up a little bit. It's rubbing on the cable. Yeah, there you go. So, um, and that's like three and a half grand just in itself. That's almost half of your buy-in. So maybe. Right, exactly. So, you know. um, Between that and a shit pot of tires and fluids. And, and, you know, point of sale items and stuff like that. I I know he listens to the show. Um. So I have to mention, I have a benefactor, and he's very well known in the motorcycle industry. He's an absolute, he may be one of the sweetest guys I know, and it is none other than Rob Talbot. Oh, wow. Yay, Rob. Rob Rob wrote me an extremely generous check. Wow. Yesterday. Um, Excellent. Really, an eyebrow-raising check. And it's not a loan, it's a gift. And oh, it's wow. a gift because in Rob's eyes, me opening a shop is a benefit to all motorcyclists in the greater Monterey area. And he wants to be a part of it. No, not in terms of I'm a partner of the shop, but, you it's know, long. Yeah. Rob's, Rob's really devoted his life to motorcycling and the only thing that really separates us and him is rob is extremely wealthy and we're not we're all broke mm-hmm. um but otherwise he's as he's a biker down to his bootlaces and he loves the community and you know you're talking i mean the guy's in his 70s now he's been dicking around with motorbikes for 60 years and well, so and I- I think a connection he has or reason to keep you around is Rob loves a good barn find and oh, yeah. Rob mm-hmm. finds great barn mm-hmm. finds and not just anybody can restore these things. Cause sometimes they're Italian. Sometimes they're British. Sometimes they're Japanese, um, but they're all bikes worth pulling out of a barn and restoring and not just anyone can do that. So I think he has a vested interest in keep you in the neighborhood. No, Absolutely. But nevertheless, it was a wonderful, generous offer. I mean, I actually shed a tear over it when I got home last night. I mean, you know, when I'm in public, I try to appear like Dr. Spock of Star Trek, you know, just no emotion. <laughs> but it was a genuinely touching thing. So if you're listening to the show, Rob, thank you, darling. It means uh, really means a great deal to me. Um, and it's just great. But, you know, I'm, I work on anything. I mean, if you look in my garage right now, I have the tiniest Honda 50 child's motorcycle oh. right up to a Vincent Black Shadow in for an engine build. So, you know, that's and everything in between. Yeah, not to mention the pink Honda Goldwing with a Mitsubishi Turbo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... um so, hang on. Let's walk out into the garage because I want to show you guys oh, something. we're going for a while. Ooh, yeah. All right. Just Ooh. so you know, we've got seven minutes till you turn into a pumpkin. Okay. I'll, so, I'll tell you so. a quick Rob, Rob Talbot story. So, Rob's museum is out on Carmel Valley Road, right, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful yeah. road, beautiful, and it leads to a lot of fun things. Um, I still find myself, because it's a nice break point between Santa Cruz and Parts Unknown, to take a break. 
And right next to Rob Talbert's museum is that little grocery store, yeah, little yeah. country store. Yeah. With the deli in the back. So, the it's like a habit. Whenever I roll into Carmel yeah. Little Village, I park. And even though it's closed now, the museum's closed because of the COVID. I park in his little driveway. I go to the market, get some sandwiches, and I sit in his driveway and eat a lunch. Yeah, so nice. even now, Rob, thank you for providing a respite. Nice. So, what is that? Uh, What's that, it's, Emma? So this little darling is a 1965 Yamaha GT80. It's a tiny little. 80cc two-stroke hmm. single. Ooh. Wow. But I want to show you something, and I'm actually going to put the computer on the floor because it's a two, it's a two-hand job. Yeah, the people on the podcast can... are really going to appreciate the visual. Um, <laughs> well, you're going to hear it. Be descriptive. So, um, I've just turned the petcock on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn the ignition on. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, this is an 80cc two-stroke. Are you okay. ready to have your mind blown? Yeah. Nice. It's an electric start. Oh. Really? Oh, wow. 1965, it's an 80cc bike. Wow. And really I think start. it was, was it a couple, of year, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Dyna starters? Yes. It's the dynamo that turns into a starter. Well, this bike actually has one. Nice. And the way we can tell <clears throat> is if we zoom in on the engine, mm-hmm. from the side it looks quite normal but when we zoom around look how big that casing is giant can that's like (laughs) six inches sticks out yeah Yeah. but from the side it looks quite normal and that's the dyna starter so it serves as a dynamo and a starter now bagel has one on his scooter my 1965 heinkel as a matter of fact but that's quite a larger machine that's a 250 four stroke 175 but yeah it's it's more right. than twice as big. Whereas this is a tiny little two-stroke. And yeah. as you can see, it's quite adorable. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got a little speedometer like a clock. Yep. And then and if, that red, the red paint. Yeah, and that red paint. If we turn it on, you can see it lights up like a little Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. I've got the hollow creamy vibe going on a bit. Those polished tanks. And I love those oval uh, or the, the ellipse, elliptical uh, speedometers that uh, yeah, the old Yamas used to have. I want one great. of those. That looks fun. It's got it's dirt bike bars. I'm in. It's absolutely <laughs> classic 1960s Japanese styling. Yeah. You know, the, the gas tank that is taller at the rear and tapers towards the front. Mm-hmm. And then um, – what shape would you say those knee grips are? They're like parallelogram shape, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it kind of yeah. reminds me of the Honda Dream. It's got that kind of vibe to it, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. A, a and the little dream. round air box with the chrome end caps, you know, it's just a single seat. The seat is up the upholsterer now, but it's got a single seat with a carrier on the back. Nice. And it's got a monocoque frame, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's got yeah. the monocoque frame. So there's no tubes in the frame. And the spine here, um, it's got a spine in front of the engine, but this is really fake. This doesn't Mm. do anything. Hmm. Um, They actually put this on for America to make it look a little more conventional. (laughs) If you were to see this bike in its home country, this is missing. And it looks a lot more open. looks like a moped. It's got that kind of vibe. But, I mean, just look at the size of that engine case. Yeah. And, you know, the... um, 
they really didn't trust. Oh, it's, or to show you the other side. You see, it's got a nice high exhaust system on it. Ooh, little yeah. scrambler. Shield. Yeah, a little, little street scrambler style. Yeah. And then it's got, it's got little features that I like. Like this is um, the oil bag. And what I'm doing now is I'm undoing this knob because the seat sits over the top of the filler for the two-stroke oil. Mm-hmm. So what Yamaha did was they provided you with this hand wheel. And so you undo this hand wheel right here. Four days later. And then the tank just pivots out enough what? and nice. fill, it up, fill up the oil. So you don't have to take the seat off. <laughs> you don't have to take the seat off. It just Made pivots. Service? That is preposterous. Pivots that is out. And then um, you've got a little window here, which shows you when the window's dark, you've got two-stroke yeah. oil. When yeah. it goes pale, you know you need to fill it up. Yep. Yeah. And you see. can see that they, they put a kickstart on it just in case. Sure. But, of course, the Dynastarters were very, very reliable. Yeah. yeah but I'd isn't that it. adorable? And we'll go down the line. So everyone knows Rufus. Hello, and Rufus. Then, and then there's the Turbo. Nice. The Goozy, of course, which everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Purple Trident. Ooh, yeah. The Vincent Black Shadow, which is now in pieces. And yeah. you can see what's interesting about this is you don't take the engine out of the frame. You lift the frame off the engine. Right. And then here's a 1968 BSA 441. What a good-looking bike. Isn't that no, great? that guy, that guy Jim that showed up at the garage had a 441, didn't he? He he had a 441 back in the day. Thank you for reminding me. Shout out to Jim too, as I was calling him. And then, um, <laughs> as you can see, I've got a lot of my shop accoutrements in. This is my counter. Uh huh. And then this is my showcase. What's this little, well, little car you got in there? It's, it's a little child's car. That's cool. Uh, and then behind that, of course, my lathe, which I know Rick is terribly jealous of. I only had to help you move it once, which made me extra jealous. Right. <laughs> and then um, you want to see my drill? Now, that's a drill. Ooh. Ah, you call that a drill? <laughs> well, that's a drill. Now, that, that actually started off as a 220-volt three-phase, and I put this yep. giant – this is a five-horsepower, 110-volt motor that I actually – rigged on the back so now you can run it on 110 so you can Sweet. drill for oil in your backyard exactly and then <laughs> i've got my pressure wash and my compressor and all kinds of other things and barry ah barry's looking for a home to go <gasps> wait in the I shop i don't really have <clears throat> i don't have room on my walls. we love barry <laughs> So there's, there's a quick tour of Emma's garage. You know, unfortunately, as you can see, my garage is quite full. I really need to move into the new place um, because my garage is full of stuff. Well, I'll tell you what you really need to do, Emma. You really need to get back into your room and get sitting down because we have some more people joining us, and I'll tell you why. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, for for many people know um you know big shout out to our patreon subscribers and there are, oh, certain, who are the best s- certain people at the ask miss emma level where they get to ask miss emma a question and she spends a lot of time i watch these email conversations and she will spend a lot of time 
being thorough and and replying to people unlike me who's just like sounds great <laughs> well she she's I- she's put a lot of time into it but she's been so busy because of the shop project she hasn't been able to get to back to people so i said tell you what i figured out how to solve the problem i'm just going to invite them on the show they can ask their questions here live in person with miss emma and get their answers now what do you guys think about that so hey we got uh chris ethan and gary how y'all doing and uh oh ethan you got bikes back there what is that a 550 450 Oh, hello, Ethan. I have a sweet spot. Look at that handsome 450. And Ethan's got some great questions, which I I confess I actually read about two weeks ago. And I'm desperately sorry, Ethan. I've been so busy with my shop. We're going to answer your questions right now. Let's go down the line. So we've got Ethan with his glorious 450, which is a wonderful thing. Um, That bike has got the longest cam chain in history. (laughs) (laughs) So this is your chance, Ethan. And hey, thank you guys for joining us. And thank you for being patient. Um, We can get your answers now. So, Ethan, do you want to just ask it or do you want us to read your email? How do you want to do this? Sure. I'm happy to ask it. Yeah. Go for it. Please do, Ethan. How can I help you, darling? Yeah. Well, so and it's funny you say that about the cam chain because I have dealt with dropping that thing down a couple of times. And that is a pain to get up. It's quite deep in there. Yes. Uh, But so. So, yeah, my question has two parts, and they both are kind of based around this 450. Uh, so this 450 is special to me because it's the sa- it's 1970, yes. and it's the same year as my first motorcycle that my shop teacher in high school get- got me for like 300 bucks, oh, which was perfect. a gold CB200T. So it has okay. a lot of sentimental, sentimental value, this kind of bike. Well, you and, got a little um, more power there, darling. A little more, yeah. It's, it's a fun bike. But um, so... When I, um, so I'm going to turn 30 this coming summer and to kind of celebrate, I wanted to take this 450 on a long journey. Okay. Oh, wow. And, um, it, you know, I, it's been a while since I did a long motorcycle trip. Okay. Um, but I wanted to take this one on and I've, the last long trip I took on it, I ran out of oil in the middle of the Nevada desert. Okay. Toasted my top end. So three years later, I've rebuilt the engine. And um, trying to get it back going. So the two questions I have are, the first question uh, is sort of micro. And the second question is macro. And uh, the macro question is, what should, you know, you know, vintage bikes, what should I think about? um, And what should I focus on replacing or repairing uh, in preparation for a 5,000 mile trip, which is kind of the length that I'm hoping to go on, on this 50 year old bike. Can I ask the obvious question? Uh, yes. Why are you doing this big trip on a 50-year-old bike? That's a lousy question, Liza. It's Look, everyone, everyone wants to know. Irrelevant. No, that's a lousy question. And your micro question, Ethan? <laughs> the micro question is, I have a, um, it, it doesn't have very much power in the low end, like beneath 4,000 RPMs. I mean, I've gone through everything, check. You know, yes, yeah, the yeah. carbs, blah blah blah, everything. I mean, read about the whole engine, and it still sputters and low power beneath four thousand RPM. And so it's actually got a misfire to it. It feels like it. It feels like it's, it. It's and like maybe holding back. Okay. Yes. So yes, holding back. Let's deal with a misfire first. If we go back 
to basics. If we go back to basics, the three things an engine needs to be sufficient. It needs compression. And compression on your bike should be at least 160 PSI, at least. So crank it, get the engine nice and hot, take the spark plugs out, hold the throttle wide, get your compression meter in. It should show 160 PSI on both cylinders. No more than 10 PSI difference between the two. If your left one's at 140 and your right one's at 160, that could drastically affect it. The second thing it needs a decent sparks and sparks at the right time. Now, um, do you still have points on it or an electronic ignition? I am. Uh, yeah, I points points. Good. <laughs> it's all, it's like this thing's, this thing's stock bone stock. Absolutely. And that is the way to be because points will always get you home. If your electronic ignition, especially an aftermarket one fails, you're dead. I often, I stick with points. Most of my bike restorations have got points on them. The okay. Trident has, still has its points and so on and so forth. So should he put an emery board in his tool, tool bag? Well, CB450 points are quite interesting because they're double sprung. And they're the same points that you put in a Honda Goldwing, so they're easy to find. Mm. And they're exactly the same points, but... The Honda Goldwing ones are single sprung and the 450 ones are double sprung. The reason why I'm telling Ethan this is because because they look the same, somebody may have put single sprung Goldwing points in yours. And if they Mm -hmm. are, it will give exactly the symptoms you describe. So what you need to do is you need to go into under the point cover, and actually look at the main springs for the point. Okay. If it's single, you've got gold wing points in there. Chuck them out. And if it's double, you've got the right points. So let's go over some numbers. <clears throat> Your okay. point should be set to 15 thousandths of an inch. Don't talk to me in metric. I'm just <laughs> 15 thousandths of an inch for your points, and your plugs should be set to 25 thousandths of an inch. These are critical numbers. Can can you all are you all just taking in the fact that she just knows all these numbers off the top of her head? <laughs> I'm just I, I, always you know, blown away. I'm, I'm always blown away, but it, it it never surprises me. But it always surprises me. So fifteen thousand <laughs> yeah. for your points, twenty five thousand for your plugs. You mean like the spark gap? Yes. Okay. Twenty five thousand for the spark plug gap. Okay. Fifteen thousand for the point gap. Now, you need generally when you look at the points plate on your bike, you're going to see a little mark with a little round piece, which is at 12 o'clock, and it corresponds with a mark on the engine. If your if your points are set to 15 thousands when they're fully open, generally that should be about right for your timing. Now, remember your timing you set under the left-hand circular engine case, and it's on the F mark. And you should always set it with a strobe. Okay. I've never done that, so. It's the easiest thing in the world. Go down to AutoZone. They've got stroboscopic lights down there for 20 bucks. It's called an inductive pickup. There's a clamp that clamps over the high-tension lead. Yeah. You put um, this. There's three 
points of contact with a stroboscopic light. It actually looks like a ray gun. Um, you have a clamp which goes over your high-tension lead, and you're going to want to do the left and the right. And then there's a clamp for the positive and the clamp for the negative right. on your battery. And then you just pull the trigger and point it at the timing marks with the engine running. Now, there's going to be oil flowing around a little bit, but don't worry. Just put a tray underneath it. It'll be just fine. So take the big round case off at the bottom of the engine with the three screws, tray underneath because it'll drip a bit of oil, fire the bike up and check the timing. There's two things that should happen. When you pull the trigger at idle, the F mark should line up. When you rev it, you will see two marks that are kind of on their own. These are your full advance marks, and it should go to a full advance setting. Right. So here's, here's reasons why your bike could splutter at low <laughs> speed. You could have the wrong spark plug gap. You could have the wrong points gap. Your... Timing could be wrong. The, 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 the mechanism that actually makes the points cam advance and retard, which is kind of bob weights and springs, that might be kind of old and hokey, and it might not be retarding down to the number you need. It might not be going back to the F mark. It might be staying at an advance mark, which, again, would cause poor running. Hmm. Um, and the other thing about 450s, They've got CV carburetors, but they're made by a company called Cahin. And Cahin don't put rubber diaphragms. They always used an aluminum diaphragm. And they, it's a critical sized component. And what you need to do is you've got to make sure it moves up and down in that carburetor freely. And if yeah. they stick, you got trouble. Because the bike will still idle and it'll run because it's the butterfly that your throttle cable operates that's actually making it accelerate and decelerate. But if one slide's stuck up and the other one's stuck down because of gum, you'll get kind of backfiring and hesitation at low mm -hmm. speed. Okay. So that your friend there is a sonic cleaner, which again, you can get a sonic cleaner from Harbor Freight these days for less than 100 bucks. Well, I got my work ahead of me. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, I'm going to get to your second question. How do I prepare <clears throat> for a 5,000-mile trip on a 50-year-old bike, 51-year-old bike? And the simple answer is you don't. <laughs> you can't. I was worried that was going to be the answer. I, I, I knew it was going to be the answer. Look, in a debit card. <laughs> But here's the deal. Your Honda 450 and Rick's Harley-Davidson, <laughs> my Trident, Liza's KTM or Africa Twin are made up of tens of thousands of individual components. And simply testing every single one of them is not practical. So what do we do? What makes us so we're not scared to leave the house every day? Well, let's look at your history of on the bike. You ran the bike out of oil. So you know that on an older bike, particularly at freeway speeds, oil consumption could be a problem. Not going to run it out of oil again, are you? Never. <laughs> right. Wheel bearings 
when things get old, wheel bearings can dry out. If mm. you're comfortable pulling the wheels off and just pushing a little bit of, you know, get the wheels out, flip out the dust seals out of the wheel bearings, stuff a bit of fresh grease in there, put everything back. It's really a half an hour job. Make sure the chain is lubricated and adjusted. Make sure the tires are fresh. And when I say fresh, I mean less than a decade old. Really, a shop isn't allowed to sell tires when they get more than five years old. They're safe, actually, for another five years. But if they're older than 10, throw them away. You're obviously good at working on your own bike. So, silly things. Oil fresh, spark plugs fresh. Make sure the air filter is fresh. These are your service items. Make sure the tires are fresh. You've got a disc brake on the front of that bike. Flush it. Just get some fresh fluid. Make sure all the fluids are nice. Make sure the tires are fresh. Everything's where it should be. The only adjustment I'd make from stock is we've learned a little bit more about tires than when your bike rolled off the line. So when you read the tire information sticker on the swing arm, it probably says 25 in the front, 28 in the back. And that was great for 1971. 2021, I'd raise them a little bit. Try about 28 in the front, 32 in the rear, about that kind of figure. Late 20s in the front, early 30s in the rear, especially with more modern tires. Other than that, just ride it. And remember, she's a stately old lady. Well, I... There is a, there is a, some a good point to this though. So he's on the west coast and he's going south, which is going to put him through Santa Cruz. Great. So you may even just want to kind of set small goals <laughs> and maybe arrange when you get here that that's a time to meet up with Emma and have it gone through and checked. Right. And I mean, I I'm reminded of my dear friends, Max and Will, the Canadians, who regularly mm. ride from um, Manitoba all the way down to Baja, Mexico. And, of yeah. course, I'm kind of the halfway point. And usually they'll show up and stay for a day or so. And Max will do his laundry and have a shower and a shave. In fact, the last time he arrived, he, I really didn't recognize him. He looked quite disheveled. Um, and he cleans up very well, Max. He's very, very handsome. But it's a time for just taking a break, doing your laundry, getting a shower and a shave, and checking over your bike. And he was riding the 900 Tiger back then, so we had it up on the center stand in the garage. We're checking everything and just bringing everything back to spec, adjusting that chain, um, doing the tire pressures. Because remember, Ethan, a lubricated an adjusted correctly chain is far less likely to break than a dry, loose one. A good quality, properly inflated tire is far less likely to have a puncture than a cheap, soft tire. So you can actually, you know, even though I say you can't really prepare you can. You can deal yourself a good hand. Ultimately, it's the hand of fate that's going to 
dictate how your trip goes. But yeah. you can deal, you know, you can deal yourself a good hand. Well, that's part of the joy of it. Because the last big trip I did was on a KLR 650. And I kind of knew that that thing was just going to keep running. Yeah. Right. You know? I, that thing ran for 14,000 miles. What's the fun miles. in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You are so going to regret that so. comment. You are going to regret that <laughs> comment, dude. Right. But, um, but life is an adventure. And, you know, you're 30. What could be better so when, than okay. celebrating your birthday by taking a 5,000-mile trip on a 50-year-old bike? And I guarantee you, when you've completed the trip and you look back on it and you look at, back at the friends you've made – and the old boys you met who's like, oh, God, I had one of those when I was young. And, you know, the wistful look in their eyes. It's going to be the trip of your lifetime, Ethan. It really is. I'm, I'm very jealous. You'll talk about oh, you'll, it forever. It'll be in your oh, You will have stories to tell. That is the cool part about yeah. it. Not to give you a hard time. I'll, I'll buy the book. When it's done, you will have <laughs> stories to tell. That is a cool fucking trip. So when right. is this trip? <clears throat> um, pl- I plan to leave end of later in July. So Okay. So I got okay. some time to prepare. But just remember, you know, it's California. The further south you go, the warmer it gets, as you're well aware. And you're riding an air-cooled motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And Liza's KTM and my lovely Rufus, who are both water-cooled bikes, I vividly remember sitting in rush hour traffic in L.A. Mm-hmm. at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And Rufus' temperature gauge is pegged and the fans are just blowing red hot air out the gill vents liza is like any minute now the red light's going to come on on the temperature gauge because she had the bars and it's like eight black bars and then when the red one comes on the engine shuts down and it was a solid eight black bars so if it's hard on a water-cooled efficient motorcycle just remember how hard it's going to be on the 450. The concessions you should make, you're traveling high summer, you're heading south. You know, try and avoid things like rush hour. I mean, yeah. you've got no time agenda. Why sit in rush hour traffic in L.A. when all the schleps are coming home from work? You can be sitting in a coffee bar, enjoying yourself, making new friends. And then when you get on the freeway at 8 o'clock at night, it's still beautifully warm. And you can cover your miles then and give your bike an easier time. Yeah. Yeah, that's great here's advice. A, I wasn't thinking here, that. Here's some other advice. <clears throat> Watch the Hunter S. Thompson documentary. Hop <laughs> on your bike at 11 o'clock at night and ride like a banshee out of hell down the <laughs> Pacific Coast Highway laughing at fate, laughing at all those things, and have a great fucking time. On acid. No. Yes. No, that comes later. <laughs> oh, sorry. But that, you don't need a drug when you're on a motorcycle on Highway 1 at night. There's, all, there's all the drug you can handle yeah, right When there. your headlight um, goes out, it'll be so crazy. You'll have a blast. And the fog sucks in. All right. No, can, can I give um, you a backup plan? Yeah. I, I'm going to say I'm all for you attempting this. Though I also know, I mean, the CB450 is one of the harder models to find parts for. So anything could happen. If something happens... My suggestion is your backup plan, because so you'll have as much of a, a adventure. Get a Vespa, like Bagel does. Adventure by scooter is actually fun, but they're quite capable. But you feel like this is so wrong, especially on the freeway with these little wheels. Like you still get that like oh god feeling. 
<laughs> little kid fun. Come on. No. What do you mean no? no? I, I want <laughs> Ethan to do it on the 450. I, I said it's, try it's, it. Right, try right, it. That's just the backup right. plan. Hey, who was the who was the guy we had on Liza? Because I can't remember things. The who, twin jet? As a young man. The young twin man jet. Six, yes. Remember, he, this is what this reminds me of, yeah. the twin jet story. Well, Recount you that. guys actually read my email on that podcast. <laughs> okay. I, I had a question about a vintage Yamaha yeah. 250. But uh, yeah, I loved that podcast. That was awesome. Well, no, I'm inspired by your chutzpah. Ethan, you got to keep us uh, on your schedule. Yeah. Well, and, and you guys are 100% by. on my route. Whether I'm cool. hoping to come by on a Sunday. If I come midweek during the work week, then I'm definitely popping by Emma's new shop. And Bagel, uh, he's we'll, in Portland. We'll meet you. Yeah, we'll meet you oh, whenever. Cool. And, um, Ethan, are you happy with the advice you got, mate? Oh, I'm incredibly happy. I'm going to probably re-transcribe it and just post it on the wall and pray to it. Just remember <laughs> three <YouTube> things. <laughs> three things. <laughs> Sparks at the right time. Compression. Carburation. Yes. One, two, three. There's your trifecta. If you've got good carburation, if you've got sparks at the right time, it has to be the carburation. (sighs) If the carburation's great and your compression's great, you've got a spark problem. From your description, I've got to be honest with you, I'm leaning to stock carb floats. I think Mm. your carb, carb floats stuck carb slides mm. i think you've you've got gummed up carb slides it's those aluminum slides they're just critically sized in the carb tops um yeah. and they stick at a moment's hesitation and you really can't tell you got to diddle it you've got it you've literally you've got to look you've got to kind of pull the air filter snorkel off and you've got to look in there while you're revving the bike and make sure they're going up and down as they should We'll get a little mirror and a flashlight, and you know. If if they're not, what do you do? You clean them, or, or do you? Replace yeah, you just gotta you just gotta clean them. You said use a supersonic cleaner. You can use a sonic cleaner, but sonic you know cleaner. you can just clean them. Carb yeah. carb clean is great, but just yeah. get them clean. Okay. Because what Honda did was to try and keep everything shiny. They sprayed all the polished parts of the carburetor with like a clear coat, yeah. hmm. and. So you you clean them with carburetor cleaner, and the clear coat goes everywhere, and mm. it kind of gets gummed up inside. So just scrupulously clean. Um, you'll see. Huh. But okay. pull off the air filter trunks, get a mirror, whatever. If you can see inside the carbs with the engine running, all the better. And just make sure the carbs are going up and down, yeah. as they should. And as you're working on it, feel free to email Emma, and maybe she'll answer. And if she doesn't, I'll keep an eye on, on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, that's the thing. Anybody who's had ongoing um, things where they ask Miss Emma, I mean, it's not just a one-off deal. You know, I'll come back to you and we'll try different things. I mean, we're learning about this together. Um, I've been around bikes for a long time, but I'm certainly not a motorcycle guru. You know, it's like, try this. It's going to work. Great. It's not going to work. Let's try something else. The one thing I have learned, you're working on a bike that's 21 years older than you are. Patience, dear boy. Patience. You know? All right. Think of, yes. think of Thank you so much. That I'm super, super stoked. Well, thank e- Ethan, thank you for being a supporter on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that's that the most too. important thing. 
<laughs> All right, we need to get to Gary now because Gary's Gary! question about triumphs. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Emma knows a little about triumphs. (laughs) She, yeah. Um, From what I hear, yes. Um, Gary, hello, hello, darling. Um, You were so patient, Gary, and I am sorry. (laughs) I felt we chased you out an hour ago. Um, No, so I'm on uh, Eastern time. And so the. Where are you, darling? In Southern Indiana um, by Louisville, Kentucky. Have you ever heard the song by Ardeen Taylor, Indiana Wants Me? Oh, it's such a good song. Maybe I have. I, I don't. It's, it's from a long time ago. Anyway, you have a triumph question, darling. Ask away. Well, so I currently ride a 2016 CB500X. Yeah, and that's a I great. Wanna, yeah. Um, I, 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 like, I like the bike a lot. Um, right. I'm looking at getting something a little bit bigger. Um, Hopefully something that I can um, ride some two up with my wife. Okay. Um, and so I'm looking at potentially getting a Triumph T100 uh, or T120. You sure you don't uh-huh. want a CB450? Because apparently you can do anything <laughs> on it. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a local dealer that's got a uh 2020 uh t120 and a 2020 t100 okay Uh, and i was just curious your opinion on those those bikes um i was able to test ride the t100 uh and i i enjoyed riding it quite a bit you'll Uh, like the t120 a lot more okay Mm. (laughs) you yeah it's got it's got a lot more power um so the triumphs it's an interesting bag. I'm always tickled about how well Triumphs are made. They are beautifully finished. I mean, make no mistake, nobody paints gas tanks or chromes like Triumphs. It's it just absolutely gorgeous thing. That said, when I worked at the Triumph dealership, I put eight wiring harnesses on Mm. under 500 mile triumphs because there was a fault with it. And the fault was where, where the wiring harness kind of snaked around the steering head, the wires got pinched and they were breaking and the the triumphs were doing weird things, you know, they're throwing weird codes and some would put on the check engine light. Some just wouldn't run at all. Some, you know, the rev counter and the speedo would be going crazy. And it all depends on how the wires were laid in the harness. However, before I let you put that, let that put you off, Triumph really stand by these things. And a couple of times I was tearing my hair out with Triumph Technical and saying, look, how do I proceed with this? And he said, look, it's not a problem. You put on as many parts as you want. We will stand behind you 100%. A priority is getting that bike right for the customer. And that's words straight out of Triumph Technical's mouth. So, you know, um, that was very, very impressive. In the end, the fix, it was the craziest fix. There's a little plastic clip which held the clutch cable very tight against the wiring harness. And Transfix was just a longer bracket that held the clutch cable away. And all those problems went away. Yeah. Everything went away. 
for a 10-cent plastic clip. But it took a lot of wiring harnesses to get there. Um, I love them. One of the things – sorry, Jim. No, I just have a question. Um, Gary, how come you're attracted to that bike for like a touring kind of bike for you and your – you and your wife. What attracted you to that? I just like the look of it, honestly. Uh, I, I hear you. It's a great looking yeah. bike. Totally. So, yeah, reason enough. Um, I was just kind of curious. So, like, there must be a lot of Harleys and stuff like that out there. There's a lot of Harleys in this area. A lot of Harleys. Well, and, uh, and quite a capable bike. You have to remember that Dan L. Lynn, who's been on our show, yes. uh, may set the record for the longest continuous ride. It's a Guinness World Record on a Triumph. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are, um, they are beautiful. She went up to the yeah. Arctic Circle on that. So, um, Gary, if you like the T hundred, darling, you're really going to like the T one twenty. Lot more power, lot more grunt, right where you can use it. And it's got a great exhaust note. <clears throat> buy new, don't buy used. There's some great deals going around. Um, it sounds like your dealers, you know, pretty straight up. They've got a selection. They're letting you test ride them. It's not as pretty. But before you lay your money down, ride a Tiger 800, preferably with mm. your missus. You might actually like it more than you think. I know it doesn't look like what your idea. It looks more like your 500X. Mm-hmm. However, just ride one. You know? you know, John Liotti, John Liotti came by, I think, with his mm-hmm. 800. Yes. And it looked like it looked like a scalpel. I mean, that looked like a fun bike. Well, you know, I like them because, you know, there's a world of adventure bikes out there of which the CB500X is one of them. Now, that engine comes in a lot of different bikes. And to me, the tragedy of the story is the CB500X, which in my opinion is the best of them. Out of the Rebel 500, out of the CBR 500, out of everything, the naked one and the one with the fairing, the jewel in the crown is the CB500X. But funnily enough, it's the least popular, and I never really understood why, um, because it's the best of the bunch by a long chalk. So you obviously like adventure bikes, and it's just, you know, that Tiger 800 is very, very, very capable. It really is very and extremely comfortable. But I understand why you like the T120s. I mean, there isn't a bike on the road that's as handsome as that right now. Simple well, I say, I'll say the most important thing in this equation is your wife has to be comfortable. Right. If you're going to ride to a, make sure she's comfy and having a good time. Because you know what? You're going to hear all about it if she ain't, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping to get that she will get her license and ride with me. Ah, so I don't have to there ride it is. Up. Ah, so. And hopefully she awesome. gets a... She picks a victory cross country for her motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody still ride victories? Yeah. Oh, they work on them every now and then. Oh, yeah, they're out there. You know, I like them. I mean, I've seen a couple of eight balls, and I think that's just a good-looking bike. But, no, back to Gary's um, Triumph. Go right ahead. I mean, unless Triumph have gone through a complete metamorphosis in the past couple of years since I – worked at a factory dealership. Um, they stand by their product. If there's a problem, generally they try and sort it out as quickly as possible. They're very, very mindful that their bikes are good. And 
in a sea of Harleys, and I think Rick will stand by this, if you're on a Harley run, there's only a handful of bikes that you're going to get respected on. One, of course, is an Indian. Sometimes a Henderson, you know, one of the newer ones, maybe a victory, but you always get respect on a Triumph. Totally. So, you know, if, 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 if your local restaurant or pub has a bike night and everyone's on a Harley and you show up on your Triumph, especially a T120, they're not going to give you any problem over it. They're going to be like, nice bike, my friend. Well, you know, the other, um, the other bitchin' bike that Triumph makes in that vein, kind of an upright standard, is that Scrambler, that mm-hmm. 1200 Scrambler. Yeah, those are great-looking oh, that bikes. Yeah. That's a great-looking bike. Yeah, so, they, they have one of those as well. Those are, those are nice-looking bikes. But they, Ooh, they're boy. getting Olin expensive. Yeah, yeah they, but it's got all the Olin suspension and everything in that bike. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a beaut. We, we took, the, uh, what's his name, the handsome tall guy. He and I rode up above Big Sur, and he took his twelve hundred, and he ripped on that thing. Um, did you? Did anybody here see the um, when Guy Martin duplicated the jump yeah. out of the Great Escape, and he was on one of those twelve hundred scramblers? So you got no, you got plenty of choices, Gary. Um, I think I really think you're absolutely on the right track because we we try we try and make smart decisions with our head. But motorcycles really come from the heart. It's a very, very visceral decision. When you look at that bike, you really need to to fall in love with it. And T120s, the T100s, the Scramblers, there's a lot to love. You know, when you're yeah. walking away from your bike, if you don't turn around and give it a last look, your bike's not handsome enough. <laughs> and I know you're going to be doing a lot of that with the Triumph. Yeah, and this is the Bud Eakins edition. I don't know nice. if you're familiar with that. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a very nice it's paint a job. And, nice yeah. looking bike. I'll tell yeah. you why um, the, the Bonnevilles are on my someday list. Um, because aesthetically, they're, they've got this vintage look. And, and you'd, you'd think if it, it was just about the looks that this is just like to be a cool vintage bike for you know, the hipsters. But they're extremely capable. And I know people like Danielle, who's done extreme long distance and touring but i also know people who can ride them very hard and aggressive in in the twisties because they say that they drop into the turns really well it doesn't look like a a touring machine or a sport bike but it does it it performs and that's why i've always gotten that feedback from people and that's why it's on my someday list so i think you can't go wrong with one of those bikes (laughs) Oh, I've just looked it up. Oh! Yeah, it's um. Now, is, it, is it white with a uh, candy red top, or is it candy red with a white top? Uh, the I'll, I'll have to look. The T one hundred is one way, and the one twenty is the opposite. Is the oh, um, it's a oh, it's a good looking bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Good Lord, look at that. Yeah, it looks like the 120 is white with the red top on the tank and then yeah. with white fenders, and the 100 is mm. red with a white top on the tank. But yep. Oh, Lord, do it. Do it. Do get it. them both. Lord, one for you and one for your <laughs> wife. That's the answer. Get them both. Do it. Do it. Do it. 
Yes. You have permission. But seriously, Gary, if, if it's going to at least at the start be primarily for you and your wife, buy the 120. Okay. It's not much more money, but it's much more talk. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's worth, I think it's a couple of grand more. Yeah, I think it's like 1500 more right now. Yeah, but it's yeah, a lot, you get Do a it. lot more than $1,500 worth more bike. Nice. Not okay. that T100s are bad. Don't get me wrong. T100 is a great bike. But, it's, you know, for 1500 bucks, just lay it down and get the 120. You, you know why? The 120, it goes up to 11. <laughs> 11. It goes up to 12. That's why it's 120. Um, yeah. love it. Lovely bikes. I am insanely jealous, darling. <laughs> And Gary, thank you for yeah, being a right. Patreon uh, supporter. We appreciate. Yeah, thank that. you, thank you. Did I? Are you happy with the answer you got, darling? I am. Yeah. Are you going to know? Send us a picture of you and your wife astride your new Triumph. All right, we'll do. Nice. Okay, thank you, darling. All right, and last but not least, joining us once again, one of our favorites. It's Chris. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, thanks. Hope everyone else is doing good. Oh, too. hello, um, darling. Hello, hello. Emma. I just want to say I am so happy for you, and best of luck with your shop. I knew you'll knock it out of the park. Well, I, I, if I can get through the bloody bureaucracy, I will. But, you know, it's like um, – and I don't want to hear anybody talking nonsense about California because – California. California knows how to party. Hey, listen, this is where I keep all my stuff. So, you know <laughs> – but, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. But the way I look at it is – they just want to make sure that you're legit and you don't want any Tom, Dick and Harry working on your bike. So if it was easy, all of us would have our own bike shop. So yeah. I'm going to focus. Yeah. What I am very good at doing is listening and I listen to what people want. I understand what they want. I give them what they want and then I the get beans. that certificate and I move on to the next thing I need. What they really, really want. I oh wanna, my god! I wanna. Emma, you have to have a you have to have a shelf full of beans. I am going to have it. Well, so let me talk about the merchandise. we're going to talk about the merchandising. Here. Uh, yes. this is Emma's explicit. beans. Oh my gosh! Why haven't we done this? You're oh my gosh! Cans of beans. No, I've been watching a Mel Brooks movie all of a sudden. So, as everyone knows, the shop the shop is called Moto Town, and um, Moto Town is primarily a back product. Black background with Mototown written like it's blue neon, and that's the logo. However, there's going to be shot. There's going to be a limited edition T-shirt with a screenshot of a load of baked beans on the back. With <laughs> give it the beans, <laughs> and there's and um, as well as the merchandising of the stickers and the T-shirt and the business card and the work shirts. It's very, very important part, the central merchandising, the Mototown whoopee cushion, which <laughs> I'll be handing out at the quail for 2022. I'm probably going to get a hundred of these things made. Yes, that's great. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be giving, I'll be giving them out at the quail and they will be baked bean color. Oh, so. <laughs> and Chris, you had a, a quote you wanted to share some advice for her. From the aviation podcast. Do you remember this? Do you want me yes, to- it's in my email. Do you want me to read it? Yes, please. Yes, would you? Please do. If it moves, just squirt it with something. 
Some that is some solid advice. It is. Yeah. Some, it is some great advice. I think Jim needs that yeah. advice the most. Jim, if it moves, just squirt it with something. Yeah. <laughs> and if it shouldn't move, wrap it in duct tape. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or well, wait, wait. Can't we do both? Or did you will? Okay. I heard that. I'm going to chime in. I was making a cocktail. Sorry. Yes. Yes. And, yes. and if and if you ever and spit works for everything. So. I, um, it reminds me very much of a, um, a flow chart I did for one of my old bosses. And no, I'm not going to tell you who it was. And it was a very simple flow chart that I wrote on a large piece of cardboard. And at the top, it said, am I being an asshole? And then it dropped down. And if it was yes, it went to stop being an asshole. And then it went to no carry on chap and that was it and i gave it I presented it to him and i said look look at the flow chart every morning look at the flow chart are you being an asshole yes stop being an asshole so i can vouch for this because i went to that shop in monterey and i was standing at the counter and i looked from the counter into the window that went to the service bay and there's a cardboard sign it said exactly that. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> How to tell your boss not to be an asshole by a flowchart in front of the customers? Right, but it worked. Oh my god! And that might, that might be another idea for a shirt for you to make up too. Yeah, it could right? be. That would be a great be. one. So anyway, do you do you have a do you have a do you have a I I. Do actually have one. So I'd like, like to say that, just like to say to Ethan, applaud uh, your your effort. I have a good friend of mine that rode the twenty seventeen Ironbot Rally on a GT seven fifty, which is a seventy six, <laughs> and that was probably about Ooh. eight thousand miles he did. Wow! And he is riding the twenty twenty one on a seventy five GT five fifty, which was actually one of my park bikes. He just rebuilt. So <laughs> you're not that? alone. So, so you're not um, the only at, crazy motherfucker out there. <laughs> yes, and like so this, this, my buddy Jerry is probably be doing about eight to nine thousand miles in ten days, eleven days. So, wow, you know these oh, that's these, a vin, these vintage bikes are capable of some higher mileages. It's just you've got to remember um, that you're on an older bike. And, I mean, my friend McCarthy summed it up very, very well because we went out, out on a shakedown run with me on the Trident and, and he was following me on his uh, Priya Dosadero. And he was having a great time watching me riding this Trident around. And he said, the thing I, I – he said, as you're kind of like your wingman, the thing I've got to remember is that The standards of motorcycles from 1972 are not the same as 2019. Am I going to smell hot oil once in a while? Yes. Am I going to see a whiff of smoke when you shift gear? Yes. Am I going to smell unburnt fuel? Yes. Am I going to see you, Emma, struggling for control once in a while? Yes, because this is the nature of an older bike. So, you know, we all we all get used to these fuel-injected, perfect handling, perfect braking things that we have now. But it wasn't always like that. So, 
There we go. Yeah. So anyway, ask so, away, Chris. So my question, if you remember a couple months, two, three months ago, I emailed you, I'm prepping my bike for the Ironbutt Rally, my 2006 Sportster. Yes, um, with like a gazillion, trillion, bajillion miles on it. 287. <laughs> so. Um, so it's just getting broken. So I was just starting to pull the primary apart, and I noticed I had a rather significant amount of metal on the drain plug from the primary. Okay. And it took a while to find it, but then I noticed some of the teeth on uh, around the clutch hub. Uh, ring gear? That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Some of the teeth were shorter than the rest of them. So I'm assuming that somehow those teeth got chipped and worn in. Um, I haven't noticed any grinding. At least I hadn't for a while when the starter was new. Is it? I'm just trying to figure out why it would have done that. You know, do I just simply have a, a sad part? No, not at all. It's the simplest thing in the world. So if, if you think about the way a V-twin engine works, is there are two cylinders, they're 45 degrees apart, mm -hmm. and the firing order goes front, whump, whump, back. And then a quick front, whump, whump, back so the distance between the firing on the front and the back is quite long and then the next cycle back to front is quite short this is a very long explanation for a short drink of water basically when you turn the bike off there's a very very good chance that the engine stops in pretty much the same place because when you turn the ignition switch off, you're cutting the fuel injection, you're cutting the ignition. So the engine, if it's idling, it's idling at like five, 600 RPM, it basically coasts to a stop. And it doesn't take long, but it coasts to a stop in the area of the most friction, which is usually coming up on compression. So it's basically, it's going to stop in the same spot. So is that at the beginning or the end of the font font? Well, it'll be on, yeah. it'll go through the <laughs> pre woof, woof, and then when it's coming <laughs> up on compression, that's where it's going to stop. Yeah. So right Before the next font. <laughs> so the, the engine basically stops in about the same place. Now, because it's stopping in the same place, when you engage the starter, and you're going to say, well, hang on a minute. The, the teeth on the clutch drum are larger than on the engine. And that is true, but the ratio never changes. So if you multiply, how many starts would you estimate you've made in 300,000 miles, Chris? <laughs> I have absolutely no clue. Thousands. <laughs> Tens of thousands. Well. I will say this, I basically replaced the whole primary every two years right before the armbar. Right, right, right. I've been in there for two years. But basically, I think the point I'm driving at is the starter motor is pretty much engaging when that ring, when that um, moving gear slams out into the back of the clutch drum. It's in about the same quarter, which is okay. why you get 
where in a particular area. Now, if you were to get, say, um, I'm trying to think of a high mileage car engine, like 350 Chevy, a super rat. I remember back when I first came out to the States and I was doing a lot of race tuning on super rats, you'd jack them up. And the transmission on a 350, a 350 transmission's really weird. It's only like the top half where it bolts to the back of the engine. And the bottom of the flywheel's exposed. And when the engines are new, they have this tin cover that they put on them. Mm -hmm. People throw them away straight away. So you can see half the flywheel. And as you turn the engine over, the flywheel would look perfect. And then you'd get to a spot which usually occupied about half of the uh, about a third of the flywheel, where the teeth were just completely torn up. And that's where the majority of the starting took place, in that particular spot, because the engine was basically stopping at about the same place. So I think that's what you've got. And as I told you back then, when you said the, the you know, what can you do to prepare it? You get the same answer as Ethan. There's very little. Mm-hmm. You can deal yourself a good hand, and the same answer applies to him as applies to you. Make sure your tires are good. You're not going to have a problem with not fresh tires because you put on so many miles. Your tires yeah. are never going to get old because you'll wear them out first. Make sure the tires are fresh. Make sure you're probably still running belts, on, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so you've got belts. You know, belts belts are actually the wild card and i mean i know you'll back me up on this rick i have seen quite spectacular failure on harley belts it takes some doing what really sucks is that the belt is hidden behind your inner primary after pulling out your charging system and your clutch basket you know it's you got (laughs) hours not not on a sportster it's not oh you're doing sportster things oh hell yeah yes Okay. Yeah. Oh, you win. I was about to say, unless you have a sports <laughs> and it's on the right side, it's one cover, you're fucking pumped. Uh, but, you can snake it around your swing arm, yeah. But, you know, yep. um, certainly on a Zero, which has a narrower belt, you know, a gravel road can take yeah. out a belt in yeah. 20 seconds. Oh, yeah. Because you get one stone punch through the belt. Harley belts are made of Mileage is zero. But, nevertheless... Yeah. Um, but make sure it's adjusted correctly. Make sure it's obviously in good condition, hasn't got any holes in it. And just understand that when something when something gets to an age that is way beyond its service life, you know, it, it becomes your Harley is not a product of Harley Davidson anymore. It's a product of Chris. And mm-hmm. you're, you're you're diligent. I mean, you know, you might as well take Harley Davidson off the tank and put Chris Conley on the tank because that's <laughs> what it is. It's a product of yeah. you. You've taken care of it. All Harley Davidson yeah. needs is build it in the first place. That was a long time ago. And um, I guarantee yeah. you didn't leave it alone in a stock form also. Right. Actually, well, the engine itself is stock. Okay. You know, be, just because I figure with miles, I'm better off with a stock factory engine. Yep. And it, yeah. It, I mean, this is good advice for everyone. Never, ever underestimate the power of preventative maintenance. Yes. So here's, here's a question for all the misfits, and every single one of you should know this answer, is when I am not riding a motorcycle, what is my favorite motor car? Are you talking about the kitten? Jaguar? Yes. 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 <laughs> everyone knows we got it right. <laughs> Everyone knows that Emma loves her Jags. 
What the misfits probably don't realize is I'm on Jag number seven. <laughs> every, every single Jag I've had has gone way beyond 250,000 miles. I remember. Wow. Every single Jag I've had has had the original engine, the original transmission, an original third member because I take care of them. Nice. You know, mm-hmm. they're capable of massive mileages. No matter what people say, they're a very well-engineered car. Yeah. You know? Over-engineered. <laughs> In a lot of cases, yeah. I mean, yeah. the one I have now is actually my least favorite because it's the most complex of them all. Yeah. However, you know, that aside, I take care of it. The oil gets changed. The fluids gets changed. It stays on tune. I stay on top of the plugs and everything. And it provides me with very, very good service. Um, so the power of preventative maintenance is, is, is really, it's, it's beyond valuable. So there you go. Um, and that's why it goes on the lift to replace the primary and a few key other parts that I know where, you know, swing arm bearings. Right. I know they're good because I've, I've ridden on bad swing arm bearings and they, they really suck. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a bike steering both ends, it's downright scary. Um, so it sounds like a new starter ring gear. And a, um, you know, a gear for the starter itself will, will get you down the road. Yeah, because I've just, you know, you said I've, I've done this same maintenance several times and I've never had this issue, which is what surprised me. Yeah, but, you know, occasionally, you know, the manufacturer will drop the ball, even if you're using genuine yeah. parts. You know, a, a, a ring gear is a hardened part. They, yeah. They, you know, they harden it so much, you don't want it to be brittle, but you want a hardness on it. And mm. it's a science in that it has to be heated up to a temperature of X and then quenched, and then you get the correct hardness. But then you need somebody to sweat it on to the back of the clutch hub. And that's where if they leave it in the oven a bit longer and you change the hardening when you yeah. put it on the back – that changes the actual hardening process. So it might have had that. You know, they, they vary from bike to bike. You might have just got a bad mm-hmm. one. That's what I'm suspecting. Yeah. Emma, you've shown us that you have a depth of knowledge on motorcycles and on cars. I, I never know how, I mean, where your knowledge ends. I, so I'm just, I got a question for you myself. On my 2009 Whirlpool washing machine, when I yes. put it on the hot cold setting, yes. it doesn't always switch from hot to cold in the middle cycle. What? Oh, and oh, why? Oh, what is it? It's water pressure, darling. Oh. Because that hot cold switch it works on a pressure differential. So what you've got to do is you've got to figure out when you turn on the faucet. Yeah. You've got to make sure that your hot pressure is the same as your cold pressure. If it's not, that won't switch. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> That's why it won't switch. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a pressure differential switch. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, on my um, Oster. Uh, uh, no, I, we're going to have to do that sometime. I really want to play Stump Miss Emma. <laughs> Vintage toaster troubleshooting. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad I've got Chris on the line because I um, – so I'm going to put it out there, out in Misfitland. Um, I'm on the warpath for a new bike. Mm, oh, Ooh. right. And I know what you want. 
I won a GT 550. Oh, however, no, that is however, oh. I'm going to be very, very specific. So bear in mind, this is Emma you're talking about now. Any condition. I want mm-hmm. a GT 550K. That's the 1973 model. That's the first model with the disc brake, but it still has the old-fashioned instrument pack. Nice. So nice. If anybody out there in Misfitland knows where Emma can get a GT 550K, doesn't matter what condition it's in, because Uh number one, it'll be restored. Doesn't matter what color it is, because it's going to end up in candy pea green which was the original <laughs> paint color for it that sounds like a horrible <laughs> color name what's that candy, candy pea green? pea green there is no candy pea just uh, disassociate those words <laughs> <laughs> and surprisingly enough it is actually sure? green and not yellow are you sure it's not airbox pea green no, that's Airbox PP green <laughs> <laughs> emma i thought for sure you were going to say an amf sportster you know, I kind of dig AMF Sportsters, but I need to get, I need to relive my youth a little bit. Ooh. And, you know, an 18-year-old Emma was riding around the streets of Sutton Coalfield on a GT550K. And I, I seem to recall you did, you did a, a whole special on, on that series at one point, didn't you? Well, you know, it's funny mm-hmm. that the 550 was always the Cinderella of the range for a long, long time. Because, of course, the Water Buffalo got all the glory. And we know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then the little 380 triple, people liked the 380 because it had a six-speed transmission. Mm. And then the poor 550, which in a lot of ways was the best of the bunch, was kind of like the little overlooked one. And people are getting wise to it now. And 550s are actually beginning to fetch good money now. And that's why what's I'm putting. Sorry? I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, I was just going to ask you, what's the standard instrument pack? I don't know. Okay. Is that so, before the years? Yes. Oh, yeah. So okay. the difference in the instrument packs, here's, here's a br- very, very brief history hold on Suzuki trippers, triples. Okay. Launched in 1972 as the J model. That's GT380J, GT550J. GT750J. Drum front brake on all of them. The 380 had a single-sided drum front brake. The 550 and the 750 had a twin-sided twin-leading shoe front brake. Now, these are considered the most valuable of the lot. But in real terms, you know, they're not the nicest to ride because they've got this front brake that looks brilliant, but it's actually awful. Um, And on the 380 and the 550... The best way to describe the instrument packs, it looks like a pair of binoculars. You've got these big round parts, and it's wasted in the middle, just like the shape of the taillight. And you can see that Suzuki kind of followed that design through. They wanted the instrument pack to be the same shape as the taillight. Nice. And then, of course, it's got the turn signals that look like the phasers from Star Trek. (laughs) <laughs> Yours has still got them. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of very unique features that were just unique to the GT range. I mean, Suzuki were very, very proud of this bike. Now, in 74, the L's came along. And if I remember right, Chris, you've got an L. And yeah. the L, um, 
the the instrument binnacle is actually far more of kind of like an oblong with round okay. edges, and you've got this kind of smoked plastic in the middle with your idiot lights kind of hidden behind the smoke glass and the yeah. gear indicator in the middle of that. It's very, very handsome. Um, but, you know, I had a K when I was a kid. So I want another K. And I want it to be candy pea green because that's the color mine was. I'll laugh every time you say that. <laughs> You'd prefer it if I said candy pee pee, wouldn't you? That's a different color. <laughs> Emma. Yeah, I think we did that um, one of our videos, um, uh, the Misfits, where we you talked about the GTs when we were at the Jameson yeah, exactly. Museum. I'm I'm absolutely enthralled with GTs. I think they're the most wonderful motorcycle in the world by far. Which is just a reminder that if you would like to see some of our videos, we have a whole YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out, Recycle Santa Cruz um, and. All of our podcasts, we've been putting these Zoom calls on there so you can watch the video too. Because sometimes there's crazy shenanigans like there's about to be. Uh, oh, really? Yes. <clears throat> but first, I wanted to say thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you especially to our Patreon subscribers and to Gary and Chris and Ethan for joining us. For all of the people who sent in the entries for the Evil Knievel contest, we had so much fun with that, really. Oh, didn't we? Oh, my God. And also, big shout-out and thanks to Phil and the guys at Cleveland Moto for having me join them. Um, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Usually, we do a roll call. We're not going to do it. Instead, I think we're going to do a dance party. What do you think about that? Ooh. All right. So, this is our winner. For the Evil Knievel contest. Whoa, 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 what? The gym? Oh, here we go. Wait, here we go. Dance off, pants off. Oh, wait. Why isn't it working? It's working. Wait. What? Wait. Hold on. Something's not working. You teated? I don't know. Anticipation. I know, right? Okay. I got my stripper. I got this. I got this. Hold on. I can do this. All right, Jim, let's get sexy. Everyone get ready to dance. Crash landing on his holiday sun. He's the pride of Moses Lake, Washington. And the risk that he did take. They was many and they was great And the legs that he did break Not for nothing that shit weren't fake That snake river and his is so deliver That snake river and his is so deliver Flying over buses, Lord knows you can't trust us. We're flying over buses, Lord knows you can't trust us. Well, I could spit further than she could jump. Well, I could spit further than she could jump. Crash landing on his Harley Davidson. He's the pride of Moses Lake, Washington. That he did take. <clears throat> they was many and they was great. 
Snake River Rapids is so clever. That Snake River Rapids is so clever. Flying over buses, Lord knows you can't trust us. We're flying over buses, Lord knows you can't trust us. We're like a spin further than she could jump. Like a spin further than she could jump. Wow. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Awesome. I was trying to like start her on fluid, but I almost burned my arm off. A Something was getting serious over there, and I was really sad. <laughs> on that note, we are out of here. Cool, 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 cool. Where's my pain? <laughs>